0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boxing fans around the world. Uh this is the second in the lifeblood of boxing series. Now, I for those that didn't see it, I covered Showtime Sean Porter on the very first one, and I got a lot of flack for people who don't understand how to recognize a boxer who has arguably helped keep the sport alive. I mean, you can deny it all you want to, but the truth is what it is. So I wanted to talk about the second boxer, and this is another guy that, unfortunately, places like NSB and others are going to dismiss this, but it's the truth. As much as you want to hate on it, it's the truth. And that's on the bronze bomber, Deontay Wilder. If you didn't see the fight, which was Fury versus Wilder Part 3 against Tyson Fury, this was the, hopefully, end, (laughs) end of a trilogy fight between these two guys, two massive, we're talking massive in terms of muscle and massive in terms of fat and massive in terms of height, heavyweights, we're talking giants. They're giants of the division. The others don't come close to what these two are in terms of you know, the presentation when you see them in there. They're just huge. And so it was just two Goliath going in there, swinging for the fences, purposely trying to take each other out, and Tyson Fury will get one of my entries. Hopefully he stays on the right tracks. I just heard he was doing a booze binge, but he will be on there. But I wanted to take a moment first to spotlight Deontay Wilder because I think a lot of people don't understand Deontay's story, and I think it's important that you understand his story because it may hopefully give you a little bit of a perspective about who he is and how he works and why, in my opinion, he deserves more respect than he gets from the mainstream and then NSB and Reddit and other places. So Deontay Wilder, he's told the story before. You know, the reason that he kept fighting and was really trying to get to those fights was because of his daughter who was born with spina bifida, and he wanted to make a life for his family and his kids. And he was a very humble, respectful man at the time. As he started getting more and more success, kind of the sales pitch centered around him basically being able to knock people out, spark out cold, rather than the Focus on any sort of, you know, is he good in the ring? Does he have the fundamentals? Is he a great boxer? None of that really mattered. Ultimately, it was about, okay, is he going to knock this guy out? And then what round is he going to knock this guy out in? That was the focus of most of the mainstream of everyone across the web. And even him. Then he changed. He changed into this model of, that's when it started to be the body on the record and everything else. You know, yelling at. Uh, Radio Rahim screaming in his face, and he got kind of this militant attitude about him that was kind of inexplicable. And he's the kind of person that keeps talking about God, and he quotes from the Bible, and he does. Uh, it's clear he reads. It's clear he's very well educated. But for some reason, he just got this persona. And if you were to ask him, he would say that's the name of the game—to sell to fight. However, he got attacked for this. He got attacked for the whole body on the record by the WBC and everybody else despite the fact that Tyson said, I ain't your children, and all sorts of other stuff that I cannot repeat on this podcast, referring to certain activities that happen between prisoners in a jail cell. So Tyson got a free pass, but yet with Deontay Wilder, he gets attacked for saying something that's really benign in comparison. So now all this personality change happens. He's knocking guys out, remains to burn. He gets a shot, remains to burn. He's basically outboxes remains to run the first time and then sparks him out cold. Looks like he killed him in the ring the second time. Dominic Brazil knocked him out flat on the back. When he fights Tyson Fury the first time, I'm sorry, I will say it again. I don't feel that, to me, it was not close as they had it on the scorecards. To me, I saw it as pretty much a foregone conclusion that Deontay Wilder did not really win that fight and it really shouldn't have been a draw. Everybody points to the two knockdowns, but one of them was a flash knockdown. And ultimately, just the fact that you knock somebody down in a fight that's not close doesn't negate the fact that the fight was not close. If you watched number one, it, to me, Tyson Fury was outboxing Deontay Wilder every single round, including the two rounds where he was dropped. Obviously, a dropped round is a 10 8 round, but if it were me on that scorecard, I'd have given it a 10 9 because that's how. Dominant Fury appeared, at least on the surface. But then, time passes, and then they have the second fight. Now there's a bit of an urgency. Now we don't know. Was that a fluke with Wilder and his ability, not inability to knock out Tyson Fury? With Tyson Fury and him getting up and the whole jokes about The Undertaker, and even The Undertaker himself, Mark Calloway, chimed in. Nobody knows what's really going on, and nobody knows what's in these guys' minds, and nobody knows what's going to happen with this. But there's an energy and electricity that can't be understated that we haven't seen in the heavyweight division for a very long time, which is finally Deontay Wilder was the boogeyman of the division, no matter if you say otherwise, he was the boogeyman. It was not Anthony Joshua, for sure. It was not Derek Chisora, Del Boy, or Ward Chisora, I think he is now. It was not, it sure, it was not <laughs> Dillian White. It was not Afia Jabba. It was certainly not Frank Sanchez. Like, some of these guys, it's like, okay, you've got some skill, but you know we're close to what Wilder's doing, where he's putting people on their back, knocking them out, spark cold, left and right, and with what happened to Berman to Then people discredit Berman to after the fact, saying, well, he was a bum. Well, he wasn't a bum. He was a champion. So there's an energy and electricity because now Tyson Fury, who, by the way, was fresh off getting off the, off the couch. He had been an alcoholic and a drug abuser, and I'll talk about him later, but... The point is is that Fury is able to survive this onslaught from this guy who is the boogeyman of the division. And now with the second fight, it's uncertain. It's like a toss-up. It's like we think, okay, Wilder should be able to knock him out now. It was just a fluke versus, okay, Fury is just that much better, and we don't know. The second fight wasn't close, ladies and gentlemen. The second fight, Deontay Wilder got absolutely wrecked. I I can't describe it as anything else other than wrecked. The announcers made a mistake. They said it was the first time Wilder had been knocked down. That was not true. He was dropped by Harold Soniers early in his career. It was not televised, and you cannot find footage of this, but you can find the description of what happened. And there's some photos that still linger around out there about what happened that night. But no, Harold Soniers dropped Deontay Wilder long before Tyson Fury was ever even in the picture, long before Deontay Wilder was a known name. And Harold Soniers, of course, is. Out here in Vegas, he has a uh, self-help business, and he does um, seminars and things where he tries to help people uh, fix their lives. So he's doing good things after he got out of the business. But just to clarify the record, Harold Soniers was the first to drop Deontay Wilder, and Harold Soniers by that point was the veteran in that fight. He had already, and even after, he had fought a who's who of boxing by this point. So it's not like Harold Sonia was just some regular bum. People like NSD discredit him after the fact, but let's be honest, this guy was actually rather durable and tough. And then Wilder was able to actually get him out of there. So the second fight now, after Wilder gets wrecked, the COVID happens and now fights are being canceled and rescheduled. And apparently there was scheduled to be a third fight because now it's a rubber match. And some people don't understand what a rubber match is. A rubber match is when you have two fights where we don't really have a decisive winner per se because one of them ended in a draw. Like you can argue that Canelo and Golovkin needs a rubber match that's likely never going to happen because Golovkin would have to go up because Canelo can't go down and Golovkin doesn't seem inclined to meet Canelo at his weight. He wants Canelo to come down. Why? Because Golovkin would have a weight advantage, obviously. So, because it's his natural weight and Canelo would drain. So, With Deontay now, he's got a contract that allows him to do a rematch, and he wants to rematch. He calls in the rematch clause. COVID happens. Tyson Fury, all sorts of things happen, and they're about to go and fight all sorts of other people. Tyson Fury ends up fighting guys like Otto Wallen. His name's Otto. Uh, And then there was one other guy that he fought. People that nobody cared about. And he was going to talk about fighting someone else, and I forget who that was. Deontay's like, no, you owe me a rematch here, dude. We need to have this fight. We agreed. On your agreement. Tyson Fury, and again, Bob Arum doing what he does, and they're talking about this other fight over here. Wilder takes it to to, uh, arbitration. Arbitration, of course, is an optional process, but it can lead to a court ruling, depending on the nature of the situation, which is what happened here. Deontay wins. Ultimately, yes, you agreed to have this rematch. You need to fight him next. And then, of course, the WBC falls in line and says, "You know what Fury, I know that you're the new champion and you wanted to unify with Joshua cuz that was another fight they were chatting about, but you really need you owe him this rematch, you owe him the opportunity to redeem what happened here, so you're going to need to go there first or we'll strip you." And obviously, Fury's mind is on unification. Fury's trying to move forward because let's be honest, he knows the danger that he would have been in to go back in there with Deontay Wilder. So, Contract goes forward, they schedule the fight, the fight happens, and early on, it's toss-up, Wilder's actually boxing really good, and given what Malik Scott, who is now Wilder's trainer and actually was one of Wilder's past opponents, given the kind of things that Malik Scott was talking about and kind of their game plan and the things they were working on, it wasn't surprising to see Wilder actually use some boxing skill. What was surprising is then, I believe it was round four, where Wilder is able to drop Tyson Fury off a beautiful shot. It was a, you know, he's, he's throwing to the body, he's jabbing to the body to get Fury to drop his hands. And then once Fury drops his hands, it comes in. Wilder hits him with an overhand right. That was a beautiful shot. Fury goes down, I believe he went twice down, but he got back up both times. The reason he got up is simply because Wilder didn't get full extension on that shot. It was a close range shot, so it still had power, but he wasn't able to get the full range that he needed in order to get the most of it had he done so i don't think fury would have got up but the story of the fight was after fury gets up fury is able to then drop wilder but after he drops wilder i think he dropped him twice or so then something happened to wilder he gets rocked he gets wobbled and we believe there was a behind the ear shot or something that threw off his equilibrium because he's he's clearly out of it people say he's concussed maybe he was but the point is. Wilder kept fighting. He was still throwing. He was still landing two pieces right down the guard, right the middle of the guard, all night long until the stoppage happened. Finally, where it was a, a shocking sequence. It's a historic sequence, I think. Now, Wilder's up back up on the ropes. He's still throwing back. Fury evades a shot and then nails him with a two piece. And then Wilder literally just drops to the canvas face first. It's a. It's a. The picture's still in my mind, but. The reason that I'm calling out Wilder first in the Lifeblood series after describing what I just told you is that Wilder did something that we haven't seen in the heavyweight division for many years, which is he went out like a warrior, which is if you if you listen to his interviews, he said, that's all I want. I want the chance to go out of my shield. I don't want you throwing a towel on me. I am willing to die in the ring because everybody who does this should be willing to die in the ring to get that win because that's what it's supposed to be about. What boxing in general has turned into is a circus of two guys who like and respect each other or love each other, and they know they're making multi-millions off the fans. And so they go in there, and they play it safe, and they barely throw, and they might do some pit-pat jabs here and there. But at the end of the day, they're hugging, they're smiling, they're asking each other for breakfast. That's not what boxing should be about. And I know that there's this softness to the industry now, and I spell that S A W F T soft, of no, you should have respect. And it's a, no, it's the hurt business. And it's a gladiator sport. And at the end of the day, your goal should not only be to get your hand raised, but do whatever you got to do in order to make sure that your hand gets raised clearly. And that's been lost. I gave the example on the previous update about Lomachenko and Nick Walters where, you know, ref asks him, Nick Walters says, no. And then he runs over there and gives Lomachenko a hug and a kiss all for making him quit. That's not what we want to see. That's not what we need to see. When we see guys like a Billy Joe Saunders who does actually have some skill, but he's barely trying at times Amir Khan, he's lost his groove. Kel Brook has lost his groove. And all these fighters are just barely trying. There is no warrior sport. There are some guys in the sport that do, like Ched Cheeseman. I would argue that he is a strong, he's a warrior, right? Um, Sam Eggington, ironically, the guy who retired Paulie Malignaggi, he is a, a warrior at heart. Connor Ben seems like he's got inklings of being a warrior. I talked about Sean Porter. He is a warrior. Sebastian Formella is a warrior. So there are certain warriors, but it's heavyweight I'm talking about, with the exception I would say of War Chisora. I'll say Dillian White. I'll give him the credit. I'll give him his due. You really don't have very many heavyweights that were willing to go out there, go out on their shield, and make it a fight. Uh, I'd say Ifa Jabba. I'll give him credit. He tried, but ultimately he was just outclassed by a boring Frank Sanchez. But nobody wants to see that from heavyweight. We don't want to see boxing masterclasses and ultimate jab skills like we see from Anthony Joshua in the Ruiz rematch. We want to see guys that go out there and leave it on the shield. So, um, Andy Ruiz. Andy Ruiz is a solid fighter. He's a warrior as well. He has weight issues, but he's a warrior. He's willing to go out there and try and, and fight and go after it. And that's what we need to see. We don't want to see... Boxing master classes from the heavyweights. It's fine if it's welterweight. It's fine if it's middleweight. It's fine if it's junior. Certainly fine in some of the lesser, like lightweight. At the lower classes, you kind of expect wars because that's just how they are. They have a lot of energy. They're kind of bounced around. So I'm just saying that I wanted to see wars. I wanted to see a fight. I wanted to see two guys who are actually actively trying to hurt each other. And with that, Fury Wilder 3. That is what I saw, and I was happy to have seen it because it was a long time coming from the heavyweight division to see anybody try to hurt their opponent. But also, with Deontay Wilder to go in there and be willing to go out in your shield, fight until you can't anymore, still throwing, even though it's clear that you're being dominated in certain ways. You got the knockdown, but you're still fighting back. You're still fighting back. You don't want the ref to stop it unless you're face down. You don't want a towel thrown. You want the opportunity to go out of your shield. And it turns out he was fine, right? He got released from the doctors. He was perfectly fine. So I think that what's lost often is this idea that, yeah, we just got to stop the fight when someone takes a little bit of a pity-pat punch. Like I know Tony Weeks when Canelo fought Angulo, right? Canelo lands one uppercut on Angulo. Tony Weeks holds for a second and then rushes in there and stops it. We don't want to see that. We want to see the gladiators do what they have to do, even if it's a different style and it might make people uncomfortable or whatever, we need to see a gladiator sport. We need to see them actually get a chance to fight for glory because that's what it's about. Now, I wrap this up by saying this. To me, when you have a guy like Chris Ariola, when you have a guy like Andy Ruiz, when you have guys like Ted Cheeseman, Sam Eggington, Dillian White, Warren Chisora, these are a, they're, they're a previous era. I mean, I think Andy Reese still has a few years, but they're a previous era. We're losing the era of the warrior. And that's sad because we're not seeing a lot of true warriors in the sport that much. I mean, there are some up and comers, right? Blair the Flair Cobbs, I would consider him a warrior. Uh, Jaron Boots Ennis, who I don't rate, but he seems like he is a warrior at heart, but he's too cocky, but I want he might do something. And Formella is still reasonably young. And there's a few others. But, you know, the days of guys like Victor Ortiz and Andre Berto and the ones that just throw it, Chino Maidana, that just threw it to the wind. They didn't care. Their goal was to get the W no matter what it took. I think it's a long-lost era that needs to come back, and I was inspired by Deontay Wilder and his warrior spirit. Even in loss, he has nothing to be ashamed of. NSB, you know, this will say he does. He does not because he actually made it a fight. He tried to win. And he went down swinging, which is what a warrior does. It's not about getting your ass whooped. It's about how you're still fighting back and you're still trying and you're still doing everything you can to try to get the win. And you don't just get demoralized and just no my ass and just quit. You're still in there swinging for the fences. That should inspire all of us. If you're a true boxing fan, you should be inspired. Not only Tyson Fury, I'm not dismissing him. He's on my next episode. I'm trying to focus on Wilder you should be inspired by the performance he tried to do because he backed up what he said. He said he would rather go down swinging than let a towel get thrown on him, and he went in there and he proved it against a very big, strong, dangerous Tyson Fury. And he lasted a pretty long time. He almost made the distance, even though it was clear that he was not, on, he was not steady legs and he was not in his right mind, whether concussion or otherwise. He's still going in there throwing. He's still fighting for it. That's to be respected. That's what a boxing fan should want. And kudos to Deontay Wilder for being that warrior and backing up what he said and going in there and doing what he said he was going to do, which so many fighters have not done and have failed to do. I applaud you, sir. I respect you, sir, for at least that performance. I think you should keep fighting. I think you're still a threat to everybody not named Tyson Fury. I think you should dust yourself off. Get right back in there because I know the current era has this fetish about the O and losing your O, but the truth is you already took the L, so it doesn't matter, and truth is you only ever lost to one guy, so now you can parlay the fact that nobody else can really beat you, because I honestly believe everybody else gets caught by that right hand, everybody else gets taken out, and if you refine certain parts of your game, dude, you have a couple more years worth of value to give to the sport. Any boxing fan, true boxing fan, should want to see that, and we should congratulate him and his opponent for giving us the entertainment we have lacked for so many years at heavyweight Deontay Wilder, the bronze bomber, his motivations have changed. His mindset has changed. He's a different person. I still want to see him fight. I hope he hears this at some point. He may or may not, but I hope he does because I honestly believe he has the number one docket of warrior in the heavyweight division right now And now is the time for you to capitalize on that momentum, get some more wins, because I honestly believe firmly in my heart of hearts, nobody else survives that right hand that Fury took four times. Each and every one of them get laid out and it's done. It's just Tyson Fury being too strong, too big, too durable. It happens. Move on. We have a story to tell 10 years from now, 20 years from now about the Fury Wilder trilogy and all of the excitement these guys gave us that Deontay Wilder built and built and built the character of the Bronze Bomber that made that fight so compelling and exciting. And then when it happened, we were not disappointed. Anybody who criticizes him, I'm not going to swear on the podcast, but ultimately you can go on with yourself. This man right here is a warrior. His opponent's a warrior. They deserve our respect. And we want to see more of that kind of fight, a fight, not a master class in the heavyweight division. Thank you.